You're listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you by Timeform, the Racehorse Owners Association, and the racing app in partnership with Fitzdevs. Good morning, welcome to the show. It is Thursday, the 8th of February. It's a disgusting day here in TW11. Uh, it's dark, it's grey, it's absolutely hosing down as well. And a lot of that rain has fallen at Newbury, where the ground is going to be at least soft for their big fixture at the weekend, which features the Betfair Hurdle, one of the most valuable handicap hurdle races around £155,000 sterling added. Uh, Jane Mangan is with me today to look ahead to the weekend and much more. Jane, what's likely to be the key headline? Is it a case of rather as you were last weekend, do you think? Uh, potentially, and as you were last weekend, of course, is Clusutton domination. Let's see if O'Castle DeMott, his first run for the stable in the Betfair herd, will prove lucrative. He's quite experienced when he came from France. His last win was in Autoy. And had he run at the Dublin Racing Festival, he'd be running off a mark of 139 in Ireland. But the wise old owl that is Willie Mullins is not taking him to the Irish shores. He's taking him across the Irish Sea to run off a £6 lower mark, Nick. And he's your current favourite for a full field in Newbury's Bedford Hurdle. Ah, but is it Willie Mullins who, in fact, here was the wise old owl? I've been speaking to Anthony Bromley, racing manager to owners Simon Munir and Isaac Swed. And I asked him why it was that a horse could be rated 133 in England and 139 in Ireland. For the last couple of years, the English handicapper doubles the French rating from uh, kilograms to pounds. Um, and the Irish handicapper goes with a sort of 2.1, sometimes 2.2 timesing. Um, it's sort of, and just, it's just how a conversion. So it's not saying that he is definitely 139 horse in Ireland. That's what the mark the Irish handicapper has given him. Mm. The English handicapper has given him 133. Their horse is something around those ilk. I think he's got. I bought him last year to be a steeplechaser, but for next season. Um, and when we bought him, I said to Willie, we, we, "We've got to run him in England. He'll be better handicapped in England, because I know the conversion rates." And sort of, he looked at me a bit like he, you know, he gives you that little look. And um, so he was entered in the Great Wood to get the mark. Uh, the aim was to run him at Christmas in the Betford Hurdle at Ascot and that was the plan but he scoped a bit dirty that week and didn't come and then the next biggest handicap in the season is the Betford Hurdle so that was always the plan in my mind um, I did just have to sell it to the Cross Sutton Maestro wow. um, he, he's, no, he's, no, he's nobody's fool you've sold, you've no, sold, it, you've sold him with the six pounds easily I mean I, yeah, I, well, he, yeah, yeah but he didn't know that part and he couldn't quite believe me so he still put him in the Leopardstown at the Dublin Festival last Sunday and I think that was just to prove that I was telling the truth because <laughs> none, of, none of you would have noticed he was 139 no. in Ireland because we'd never entered him in Ireland and that was my other plan but, but Willie couldn't quite just take my word for it so he had to enter him just to see and that's when the public have sort of switched on to this oh hold on a minute he's six pounds higher in Ireland but he's not really we don't know yet we've got to run him and see it could all bomb out he goes nicely at home and he's a lovely prospect for steeplechasing Literally, the idea was one or two runs this spring, and then we wait and go novice chase next year. Um, this will tell us a lot on Saturday. The rains come. I think you know he goes in soft ground. 
Two miles, I thought, might always be a bit short for him. But that's where the big money is in the big handicap. So you've got to try him at two. I was a bit worried on Monday, thinking I was sending him a goodish ground at Newby. It has been all season. But then the rains were coming in, so I thought that'll help. Um, he's got to cope with the tempo of a English handicap, which are, is a sort of its own thing in its own right. Uh, however, he did. He was running in those listed handicaps at Otoy and Compiègne, which a stronger run than some of the smaller conditions races. So, and he's quite a free running horse as well. So, in his early days, he was too free. Um, but those bigger handicaps made them were the making of him. And uh, so I think actually a good run, two mile race. We'll we'll see where we're going for his next run. You know, it might bounce us into which race at Cheltenham, or you know, if it's if it's going to be a Martin Pipe or Coral Cup or a County Hurdle. I don't know. You know, those sort of ideas. Every race you do is a fact finding mission. First race for you, that's exactly what it's going to be. But you know, he's a little bit short in the betting now, but. Oh. Look, it's a hundred and fifty-five thousand race. It is. You've got, to, you've got to roll the dice. It is, and this um, disparity between the way that the English and the Irish handicap French horse is something clearly I didn't know about, and quite a lot of people didn't know about. But now, thanks to you, Le Chat is well and truly out of Le Sac. Yeah, well, if we hadn't entered him last Sunday, it wouldn't have been. Le, Le Chat would still be in Le Sac. Yeah, there we are. <laughs> Never mind. Um, uh, unfortunately, Ampere passes out of the champion hurdle. Um, oh, I felt rather sad about that, really, but. Um, What's the thinking behind that? It hasn't been sparkling. Um, we felt that he wants two and a half miles. There isn't a two and a half mile race for him at Cheltenham. Um, it, it, it's not going to do him mentally any good, keep getting his uh, bottom smacked uh, at two miles. Um, and, you've got to, and you're also bringing in a constitution hill on top of another state man. Couldn't really face doing it all over again. And uh, let's freshen him up, see him get into entry hurdle, which is going to be a right good renewal, isn't it? Uh, well, I suppose it, dep- it depends what rolls up. I mean, uh, we were talking Michael Buckley yesterday. It'll be either entry or Punchestown for Constitution Hill. Mm. What else is going to show up in the entry hurdle? Well, you've got you're going to Bob Bollinger was taken out to go there. Yes, of course. So. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, you know, you've, you've got some, and I suspect one of the the other Rob Cores could turn up as well, like an Irish Point or a Tihupu. That, um, that they're probably going to go stayers, but you'd see them coming back in trip quite easily, either of those two. So I, I think that um, it'll be a, you'll find it'll be a strong field. I, I would say, I would think that I, look, let's see. Anyway, that's that, that same Perry pass. Okay, what do you... He's re- all right, basically. He's basically all right, you know, so he's just, he's just, he's just not sparkling, is he, you know? Do you regret not sending him over fences this year? Well, not the way he's running, no. No, I, I suppose, yes. I suppose if he's listless, he's going to be listless over fences as well. Um, uh, when do you think we'll see Caldwell Potter make his debut for new connections? Uh, might be next season. They're such good owners. They rang Paul that night after the and said, Paul, don't run him at Cheltenham. Well, you don't have to run him at Cheltenham. You don't have to run him at Aintree. You can wait till next season. It's not saying he doesn't run. They, he, they, they've got, he's got full full range to do what he'd like. He wasn't bought for four weeks' time. He wasn't bought for seven weeks' time at Aintree. He was bought to be a steeplechaser to try and build him over over a trip. And, uh, you know, I'd like to see him thinking he'd be a brand advisory next season and even a Gold Cup the, the season after, you know. So there's no pressure on Paul to run him. I think he's, I'd say, if I was a gambling man, I'd say it'd be very unlikely to go to Cheltenham. You can't, you know, 30-odd days... From changing yards, I mean, you're asking for him to, to to have a bump in the road, aren't you? So, 
Butler. Um, best of luck with him. Um, I, I'm sure you've now the adrenaline has now subsided from the 740 grand, has it? <laughs> um, I thought that really it wasn't absolute madness, and um, we'll see, won't we? We'll t- I'll tell you in 12 months' time if we think it was a good idea or not. But um, I know how many horses I buy a year, and to try and get a Grade One horse. I spent a lot more than 740,000 on quite a lot, you know, to get one. And he was on a plate as a grade one horse um, with, with prospects for the future. Um, I was, I would say that Corto Star was the cheapest horse I ever bought. And yet he was 400,000 euros, which converted to about 290 grand at the time, because it's those horses which actually do take you to the, to the unbelievable places. And, um, you know, the, so you know it, they are expensive, but it was between four guys, so they just shared the risk. Um, I mean, he's a very exciting horse, a really exciting horse, and I think that he's a stayer, and he's only ever run at two miles. He's so improved this season; you could just see each run this season. He's just massively improving, and you don't know where the ceiling is. Um, look, let's let's see. Um, but uh, you know, he's it, it was a heart heart stopping. Uh, in the, for me in the sale ring and uh, it was a big relief when we got him bought that was Anthony Bromley uh, in fact Jane Mangan it seems that he was the wise old owl that insisted that O'Castle de Mott ran in the UK I think what I deduced however was that there's a school of thought that he's quite well handicapped Yes, there's a, a bit of, bit of confidence there, Nick. Uh, I, I think we're doing them a disservice. There's no old owls here. They're all just wise. Um, yeah, fresh off success at the weekend. I'm, I'm sure they're still watching the replays mm-hmm. of El Fabiolo, but they're always looking for the next talented horse. And despite, as I said, he's got quite a lot of experience from France. He's still just turned five. So let's see what he can do. But it's it's going to be a super competitive race. Barocco Lord for Nicky Henderson. Uh, you know, we were impressed by him at Cheltenham and uh, see what he can do in handicap company. Now, look away. Is he going to go? Is he declared? Yep, he's been, been declared. There's 25 declared. 24 will make the cut, which means that the one right down the bottom, uh, whose name always escapes me, you're the naughty horse of Willie Mullins is... Only a matter of time. Yeah, he won't make the cut. He's probably happy about it, to be fair. Uh, Jane, I did. I did spend a bit of time yesterday talking about how ridiculous it was that in one country, you have to, for example, and it's only an example, declare wind operations, and in Ireland, you don't. It, isn't it absurd that the that the teams of handicappers can't get together and use the same coefficient by which to yeah. by which to multiply the French handicap mark? That just seems bonkers, doesn't it? Well, one is basically saying you're wrong and I'm right, and vice versa, because they don't agree and they're not cohesive. So, yeah, well, look, we would like a lot of things to align between the UK and Ireland. That's just that's one that I didn't realise before today. Uh, credit to Anthony Bromley. Obviously, he brings in plenty of fr- horses from France and he would have realised it well before now. But it just goes to show uh, they don't agree because one obviously feels the other is right and the other is wrong. So let's see what o- Ocala de Mott thinks about it. Or even Ocastle de Mott. Ocastle de Mott. You know, when he becomes a bet for hurdle winner, he'll probably roll off the tongue. Do you know what? I would like to be harmonised between the two countries, Jane. Is it got something to do with bumpers? Yeah, it, it's got something to do with bumpers. And I'm, I've am i banged this drum a few times before on this podcast, but not for a little while. But I noticed it has come into the 
public consciousness a bit again late, lately because of the a dream to share farce of him being able to run at Leopardstown and an, yet another bumper. I noticed that the the double green, the Manier Suede ownership, were, were due to have a bumper runner at Thurless today, uh, aged seven. And I'm thinking, if we're still running seven-year-olds in bumpers, w- what is the point of jump racing? What is the what is the point? Um, so I know why you believe uh, the a dream to share saga shouldn't happen, and I, I I personally agree with that. I think he's won all the bumpers he should be allowed to win, and you go jumping. I also know why they ran him, and I'd imagine they could be looking at a flat campaign spring into summer because they're going to preserve his his novice status for next year. But as for a horse that has run in a point to point regardless of whether they win the point to point or not. And if they get injured in the interim, I do believe that they should be allowed to win a bumper regardless of their age, because when they're purchased, they're purchased with those options in mind. And if you, when I was 10, 11, 12, bumper winners were the most lucrative horses. They were making the most money at auction. And that has changed drastically now. And a lot of that, I think, is down to the fact that when you buy point pointer it's blank canvas you can you're a maiden under all codes on the track you can win your bumpers and your uh hurdles and chases and i know you you don't think that should be an entire season but you're talking to somebody i suppose we're in ireland bumpers is not only a nursery of horses but it's a nursery of riders as well you don't you have professional bumpers that's important and we used not to either. When when I was growing up, bumpers were restricted. Most bumpers were restricted to, to amateurs or conditionals. And I would be I would be happy enough with that, though I, I do get other people's points saying, well, why would you put a novice on a novice? Aren't you trying to teach the horse something? Um, and I, I do accept that. In Ireland, though, unlike in the UK, you've got a, about a million schooling bumpers you can run these horses in as well. That seven-year-old probably could have run in 82 of those if they'd wanted to. I just don't see the point of clogging up the track with seven-year-old bumper horses and indeed clogging up the track with loads and loads of bumpers. I I, I don't really, I I don't, what's, what's the point of jump racing? If you want to run a horse on the flat, go and run it on the flat. Mm, the number of bumpers has been caught in this country. I can't give you the exact number, but I know that, that they have. Uh, I, I, I would have to agree with you. I'm not a fan of running a horse in three schooling bumpers before it ever gets to the track and you know building up all this mileage without actually enjoying the horse in public um i'd imagine willie mullins's horse that was due to run today has gone in schooling bumpers already this year um but the fact that he has missed all this time is indicative of an injury and they probably want to run in a bumper try and win their bumper and see where that leaves him for the rest of the year so again, I would always I would I would say the horse is entitled to run in his bumper, but whether a seven year old should be allowed to run in listed or graded bumpers, that's probably where you curtail the season. If you have the option of winning your bumper, great, but then you go jumping rather than wasting an entire year, um, you know, going for what is essentially a, a, a graded race at the end of it all. As for listed and graded bumpers, I'll allow you one at Cheltenham, maybe one at Aintree, and one at Punchestown. Otherwise, you're just clogging up the uh, the the pages of the uh, of the sales catalogs with black type that is effectively fraudulently earned. There you go. Uh, we do that anyway, Nick. We in Ireland have more grade ones than we have grade twos. There's bigger problems, I think, in our pattern over jumps than just bumpers. Well, earlier this week we were shouting hurrah for Dan Skelton, given the fact that. 
he was the most well-represented British trainer in the Grand National with five entries. We might come to that in a minute. But he's got three in the bet for Hurdle on Saturday. Uh, Lodus Sud ridden by his brother Harry. Uh, and he's also got um, Knickerbocker Glory and the Chelan Festival winner Favois. Favois will be ridden by Miss Heidi Palin claiming seven, who has ridden four winners, uh, Dan, but many people won't be familiar with her. Who is Heidi? Heidi's worked for us for a good few years now and took out her amateur license, started off in point to point, built up from there, um, won hunter chases. Um, she has had plenty of rides over hurdles as well. I can't be sure that she's had a winner over hurdles, but the, he, he, I know it's it's a two-mile, you know, 20-something runner race, um, and there's not going to be much room, but Favour knows what he's doing. And, um, you know, he gets the pleasure of £7 off his back, which will be helpful. Okay. And is he in good form? I mean, do you ever know whether he's in good form? Uh, he's in good form, but how that translates to race time is up to him. He, I've I've asked him in the past, and he, he won't tell us. Okay. Can you tell me about what, how the other t- how the other how the other two are going to run? Nickerbocker Glory and Lotus Sud. Um, I think Lotus Sud. Um, he he. I think he's a good horse, and uh, his work is certainly suggests so. Obviously, it was very disappointing back in the autumn in the Great Wood, but he had ulcers afterwards, uh, so we treated him for those. And I think he's got a chance. And now you've got to forgive him that last run, but there is a medical reason for why he he would have underperformed. Now, whether that has a long term psychological effect, we will only find out as time goes by. But <clears throat> I think you know, with ulcers, obviously, once they're gone, they're gone. Um, and um, yeah, I don't, I don't see any reason why he, he should underperform, really. Um, and Nick Walker Glory, the more rain, the better. He, he's, you know, he he loves nearly unraceable conditions. So, um, how much, how long the rain will last, who knows? But um, you know, the more it rains, is the better for him. Yeah, it is raining and raining and raining and raining some more. And there's more forecast. That's good news for Protector at surely in the Denman Chase. Uh, that's a a reasonably quick run back after the Lon Presse defeat. But he clearly has taken it well, has he? He has. We're doing things slightly differently with him now. Obviously, he's running a little bit more regularly. It's you know, there's a, there's an obviously long ongoing debate and 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 comments about how often horses run. Um, and I think the truth of it is, is, you know, when he was winning the Betfair and 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 you know being you know going down a, a specific route that was obvious for all to see, you don't run them as much because you're getting things right and the horse is getting it right and the horse is winning and you know you 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 pick your targets. But you know when things don't go quite according to plan, you have to change things up. And I think that's when you can sort of start to run more. And he's clearly he's clearly doing well off the back of that. Okay, he hasn't won, but he carried a big number around. Um, you know, carried a big handicap mark round Cheltenham um, in December and ran really well in the Fleur de Lis. And I'm very, very happy with him coming into this. We take on a new rival, um, but you can't pick your you can't pick your rivals. Um, but you know, I'm I'm very happy with Protector. Out. And you still thinking you're going to run him in the Gold Cup? I just need to talk to the owners about all that. We've we've obviously was scratching stage this week for the Gold Cup and the Ryanair, and I left him in both. Okay, so the Ryanair is a possibility if it came up a little later. Well, I think it's up for discussion because let's see what happens. Let's see what happens on Saturday. You know, you just don't know. I mean, races can cut up, races can fall apart, and horses can change. And you know, I, I, I you know, like I say, when you know exactly what you're doing and you have one plan, you just stick to one plan. When you're in the position you are with him, where you know others have slightly superior form or superior, you know, superior handicap marks and things like that, you know, it's not quite as obvious. It's easy when you've got one of the best ones because you just 
it's plain sailing. You just go down one route. But you know, when things change, you you have to change with them. And the best way to get the most out of horses at that point is just be fluid. Um, let's talk about Calico quickly. You've got him in the game spirit. Um, if you said at the beginning of the season, here's a horse he'd be running in the game spirit, you'd have probably maybe not believed. But he's he's improved again a little bit. He has, and I think he deserves a crack at a race like this. I, I will just be cautious about the ground. I know that's boring for everybody to hear, but he just won't perform on it if it's if it's proper, proper soft. Um, and we'll have another go a different day somewhere else. But um, I'd love to run him. I think he deserves to take, take a go at this. He ran really well under under a big weight at Doncaster the last day. And, you know, why why not have a go in this race, getting weight off the others? Yes, they're superior on numbers, but... You know, he, he's been, he's now in the pro, he's now in the realms of giving horses weight all the time, apart from in like the very very top handicaps. So try and try and you know try and find him a, a race in which he doesn't Just change things up a bit for him. Five in the Grand National. Who's your best chance? Um, it's between uh, Late Night Pass and um, Galia de la Tau. Um, both stay well. You know, both both will have proper chances both jump nicely both got lots of experience you know it's hard hard to hard to pick hard to pick a, a horse for a national if you know what i mean but like those two those two are the quite obvious ones i think ashtown lad will struggle to get in i think sailor way will struggle to get in um you know so those two those two i think will struggle to get in and 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 lamilos we're just kind of thinking where we go what we do we, we we bought a ticket we bought a ticket for the um we bought a ticket for the race rather than a certain certain contender with him so we'll see how his how his uh, sort of spring pans out really uh, is late night pass going to go to the cross country at the festival no he's not he's going to go to the race at haydock do you know what he's actually going to do what's he going to do he's going he's actually a novice over hurdles Ah, okay. So he's going to have a yeah, little, he's little. He's going to have a little uh, leg stretcher over hurdles. Yeah. So we'll find him a few hurdles. Um, make a choice. I won't, won't, he won't be running twice. He'd just be running once. We'll enter him next week at um, uh, Haydock. There's a valuable novice hurdle up there. It's odd to see a horse of his age with his experience turning up first time in a novice hurdle, but you know that's just the way the system works. Um, so we'll put him in there. Have a look. And yeah, make a decision on on ground and everything else uh, closer to the time. But he's going to go. He, he's he's gone an unconventional route already, and will continue down the unconventional. And what about Gallia? Will she run between now and then? Yeah, she's entered Sunday actually at Exeter. I'm surprised at how well she's come out of Warwick. Cause I thought Warwick was a hard run. Um, she was gaining at the line, but I still thought Warwick was a hard run. But she's come out of it so well. Um, so I think she'll probably go to Exeter at the weekend. Interesting stuff from Dan Skelton, particularly about Protectorat Jane Mangan, because, again, echoing a theme from earlier in the week, Rishi Passad yesterday was talking about how the thing that made Paul Nichols change Corto Star's um, race scheduling was the fact that he fell a couple of times and got beaten, and he was like, not to hell with it, but come on, let's get on and run this horse and see where we're at and change it up and do something a bit different, get him over two and a half, maybe think about stepping him to three, don't just see him as a one-dimensional horse. Skelton there saying, you know, wheels just came off a little bit, right, reboot into a handicap, run him a bit more often, you know, try and see then what we've got. And it, it sort of echoes quite a lot of the themes that, that people have been talking about quite a lot lately. Uh, but it might just be that they're, they're running this horse back to a peak. 
Yeah, and it's probably because we've you know when when a horse seems uh you know this is our Gold Cup horse, this is our champion hurdle horse. We do all get a little bit wrapped, and we start wrapping the horse and preserving him for those one or two days, and we we become cautious and careful. Once the shininess is gone off the star novice, like in Perry Pass maybe last week, or you know Protectorat isn't no longer the only horse that can take on Gallop and Deschamps then you, you, you kind of, there's pressure off and you can kind of enjoy them a bit more. And I think that's what's happened here. He's run some very good races in defeat this year. And now he's he's going in to another big race, probably on an upward curve. Would you agree with that? Definitely on an upward curve. That was a super run the other day. Not, not that far off his best. The interesting question will be if he comes and wins uh, Saturday, whether or not Shishkin turns up because of the weather or turns up because he doesn't feel like starting, then do they start thinking about the Gold Cup again or perhaps that intriguing entry in the Ryanair if that really starts to thin out? Um, I'd say you, you run at the weekend and you see where you stand. But I suppose we're all waiting to see if Shishkin can back up that King George performance and whether that King George performance is good enough to beat a pr- protector at who's on the up because we can pick holes in it if we want to. We had a effectively a, a two-runner it was a four-runner but we'd effectively a two-runner Irish Gold Cup last week we think we hold all the aces so let's see what you got now, Jane I've been chatting to to Barry Connell this morning about Marie Nacional the horse who blew out at the Dublin Racing Festival because there's been quite a few interviews with him this week and there's been an element of of suspicion that it, it wasn't just the ground that beat him at Leopardstown the other day he, he reiterated that he really feels that it was and I asked him about the wind operation the horse has had uh, in the close season and he said well the very back of last year but last season he just started to sound a little bit coarse in his words uh, in his in his wind so he thought well one day he's going to have to have one so we may as well give it to him now um but he rejects the notion that that his slightly jaunty head carriage has got anything to do with him gasping for his wind and he feels that it is purely and simply a ground issue uh, the other day what do you make of that well, he's always said that this horse needs better ground. I remember before the Royal Bond, he was really concerned about that. Um, this was his class got him through. Uh, I was, I, I, I thought it was a bit unusual for a horse to win a supreme impressive, remain unbeaten and get his win done. But obviously they felt it was necessary. But this goes back to the shininess effect again. Look, he won a beginner's chase. He was going into a grade one. It was a huge ask. Let him have all the reputation in the world. He is still a horse. I thought he was bang there to the bend and he maybe didn't find what we expected under pressure. But he's against proper hardened grade one horses. Found a 50 finish second grade one winner. We know what Fasal Vega is capable of and he's run twice this year. So I thought... I thought it was a perfectly respectable run. I think on better ground, we'll have a a completely different horse, particularly around Cheltenham. I'm not going off him. I just think we've had a reality check. This horse isn't actually a machine. He could still win the Arkle. All right. Well, what's going to take him on from this side of the water? One horse that might is Iroko. You'll remember a couple of weeks ago, I spoke to Ollie Greenall. Well, it was probably more than that now when it was announced that Iroko, in fact, wasn't going to miss the whole season and he was sort of on the comeback trail, but it was a bit iffy as to whether they'd be able to get him going smoothly enough to make Cheltenham. So I thought I needed to update that for you. And this is what the trainer had to say uh, this morning. He, of course, co-trains this horse with Josh Guerriero. 
Yeah, all good. Couldn't be happy with him. He's back in full training, schooling every week. Um, yeah, so far so good. Okay, and when we spoke last time, you were saying, well, I'd be unlikely to get a run into him if he if he did go to Cheltenham. Is that still the case? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he'll go straight there. We'll take him for a race course gallop beforehand. Um, but he, he, he'd, he'd been ticking over the whole time, so he didn't put a huge amount of weight on. So fitness-wise, I wouldn't be worried. It just, just obviously lack of experience jumping fences in public would be my only concern. Um, but he seems to have taken to fences very well. If any horse can do it, I'm sure he can. And I suppose what you lose on the swings, you gain on the roundabouts. Yes, you haven't got that extra run over fences, but yes, you have got um, that experience in a big field and the hurly-burly of Cheltenham and, and effectiveness for Cheltenham as well. Yeah, exactly. And even in his juvenile career, he, he ran in some, some top-class juveniles, which I think taught him a lot, you know, jumping at speed. And then, like you say, the following season, you know, he was thrown into a big handicap and seemed to cope with it well when he was relatively inexperienced then. So, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you, you, he's got plenty of experience in, the, in that sphere. It's just jumping the bigger obstacles. Um, how torn are you, are you at the moment between the Arkle and the Turners? I mean, it's just, it's a hard one. I think, me personally, I just always feel he, he's probably a horse that's going to want a trip in time. So I'd probably, you know, be leaning towards two and a half. But then he did show a hell of a lot of speed at Warwick, but in a lesser race. So I don't know. I, I, can, see, I can see the argument for not going up to three miles as a young horse. I think that if you can save that, as long as possible I, I can see the argument for that but whether he's a two mile I'm not I'm not totally sure so the the distance of two and a half miles might suit him best but yeah obviously the owner has quite a good one potentially in the turners yeah exactly exactly so we might have to go for, we might have to go for the article um which looks equally hot but um we'll just have to see we'll have a chat about it but he jumps very quick he's very effective they sprinted out the back at Warwick and he seemed to cope with it very well so you know I think either race will be fine alright that was Ollie Greenall all systems go for Iroko he looks Cheltenham Festival bound but he's not sure which race could be determined by where fact to file runs if he runs in the Turners which we assume he will then that might force uh, the same owner's horse into the arc although I in this ownership, Jane, it's they don't all they don't always try and split their races, do they? If the trainers are, are insistent that race A is preferable to race B, then they're not always um, insistent on splitting them up. No, I think they know the the liabilities the game can have, and maybe it will be a case of strength in numbers. We saw that yesterday with Corbett's Cross, looking like he was having a nice uh, a race at his mercy, and he gets you know turn sideways midair and he comes down so look back to file could go either way he could go brown advisory as well he's a very relaxed horse um where roco slots in in relation to fact to file i'm not sure because we haven't seen enough of him but um isn't it it's it's a, it's it's an incredible stack of talent that jp mcmanus has a, a, accumulated this year and i'd say a fact to file is top of the pile i would i would imagine wherever he goes he's he's the ace of their of their novice pack and he'd be the one that yeah he'd be the one that i'd be avoiding if 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 they were thinking about avoiding any horse it would be him well it's thursday time to take stock of what's happening in dubai a carnival continuing tomorrow laura king is with me 
Uh, Laura, it's probably worth, I think, at this point, the sort of midpoint, just assessing how the carnival's gone so far, who it's been good for, who it's been less good for, who've been the shining lights, the movers and shakers. Well, one thing this season that people might not have noticed is that the whole season is now the carnival. They've streamlined it. So one great thing about this was that right at the start of, of, well, midway through December, we had internationals in in Dubai and and running, which was absolutely fantastic. We've had a nice smattering of of British winners so far, which has been very, very pleasing. And quite a few old faces welcome back, such as people like Robert Cowell are are really supporting it this year. George Bowie is a new face, obviously, comparatively. He's done brilliantly. And, of course, last week, a, a big breakthrough for Lucia Bossi, first winner in her own name, she only got three horses out in Dubai and she goes and wins and beats Godolphin with the Royal Dubai. So that was one of the highlights for me. OK, and uh, what about what we have to look forward to through the rest of the season from now until the until the World Cup at the very end of March this year? It's very late this year. It'll probably be very hot as well, I should think. What are the key staging posts between now and then? Well, obviously we had um, Fashion Friday a couple of weeks ago, which was brilliant. And, and the main story probably from that day and of the season so far has been Kabir Khan, a horse that... But Hales from, from Kentucky, of course, he, he just went through the, the sales for $12,000, ends up in Kazakhstan, races there, races in Russia, comes to Dubai, wins a Group 1. It's a, it's a story we've never heard before, and that was tremendous for his connections. There were 30 of them on course to watch him win that Maxim Challenge. And for trainer Doug Watson, it was his first ever thoroughbred Group 1 after 20 or so years of training. So that was tremendous. And he now goes into the Dubai World Cup with a a real chance and could well go straight to the race. So he's tremendously exciting and we're waiting to see who turns up against him. Of course, confirmed this morning for the Long Jeans to buy Shima Classic was Liberty Island. So really looking forward to her in that one. It's all shaping up brilliantly as well with Lord North coming back for an unprecedented fourth Dubai turf. So, well, cup-wise, it's looking good. And the next major pointer, I suppose, will be Super Saturday, which, as you point out, because the World Cup's late, it's four weeks earlier, which I think is quite a popular move with the trainers because it gives them that little bit more time between races. That takes place on March the 2nd. And what about tomorrow, uh, Laura? Slightly lower key day, but a good opportunity for one or two of the travelling trainers to get on the score sheet. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how the Brits get on in this Dubai trophy. We've got six of them in a field of ten. So it'd be disappointing if this one doesn't go to the travelling team. And Starlust is a the headline attraction here. He was a, a good second uh, last time at the carnival. Of course, he goes for, for race Beckett. And he should win, really. They're expecting a massive run from him. Um, up against him, we've got Myconian for Amy Murphy. She hasn't had the breakthrough in Dubai yet, but she's had horses run well. It won't be far away. We've got just the one in there for Charlie Appleby. He's giving everyone else a, a chance. Um, and then other Brits, you've got George Bowie with Salvucchio. George Scott's got seven questions and Zulu Chief in there as well. Plus Frost at Dawn for William Knight. So a good, strong travelling band of Brits in that one. Uh, I thought I was quite good at multitasking on this show, but uh, you're taking working parenting to a whole new level for which I'm very grateful. She clearly knows the health visitor is about to arrive. She does, she does. It. She, she's got strong views on Maidan as well. She watches it every week. Good stuff. Um, all the best. Thanks so much, Laura. Much appreciated. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> all right. Thanks to Laura and thanks to all my guests today. Jane Mangan installed me. Jane, um, before we go, we ought to just try and work out what the deal is with Paul Townend because he's, he's still off. Yeah, he hasn't um, ridden since he won the Irish champion hurdle on Stateman. Um he stood himself down for the remainder of that day, but it was it was handicap rides. And then he was to, to ride Mercury yesterday 
um, and he stood himself down for that. Um, waiting for declarations, of course, Willie Mullins doesn't put jockeys up till 12 o'clock on the dot. Let's see if he'll ride Allegory de Vassi in the Opera Hat at Nace on Saturday, but hopefully it's nothing serious. Of course, he did get a little bit of a bump from Gaelic Warrior when he got unseated behind Factofile in the novice chase. Um, but considering he's after eating into the lead, uh, Jack Kennedy's champion jockey uh, aspirations would have taken a serious hit during the Dublin Racing Festival. Um, Jack was back in the winner's enclosure twice yesterday so let's see if Paul Townend can get himself back because we see Sean Bowen is back mm-hmm. and uh, the, t- the, the 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 season's slipping away you know when when Irish jockeys like Paul Townend and Jack Kennedy will be travelling so much to the UK every winner counts now and it's currently 10 winners between the two Jack Kennedy 101 Paul Townend 91 still all to play for Jane, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back again tomorrow. That was Thursday, February the 8th. Bye for now. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily in association with Timeform, with the Racehorse Owners Association and with the Racing App in partnership with Fitzdares.